Jesus is alive, and it's connected, uh, with him being alive is really connected to what we believe about Jesus. We are a community of people that we want our faith centered on Jesus. And so let me just kind of read you, this is a statement of faith about what we believe, and then we'll continue on from there. After dying for the sins of the world, Jesus was raised from the dead on the third day, fulfilling the covenant of blessing given to Abraham. In his sinless, perfect life, Jesus met the demands of the law, and in his atoning death on the cross, he took God's judgment for sin, which we deserve as lawbreakers. By his death on the cross, he also disarmed the demonic powers. The covenant with David was fulfilled in Jesus' birth from David's house, his messianic ministry, his glorious resurrection from the dead, his ascent into heaven, and his present rule at the right hand of the Father. As God's son and David's heir, he is the eternal Messiah King, advancing God's reign throughout every generation and throughout the whole earth today. We believe these truths about Jesus, and our belief comes from a reliable story. I I don't want the story of the empty tomb to get lost in the practice of religion. I don't want the story of a risen Savior to get lost in religious duty. I I want us this morning to, to remind each other of this very reliable story that came from eyewitnesses. The story that we base our belief upon comes from eyewitnesses, eyewitness reports. People, people just like you and me that were there. They were there. And they wrote down what was going on. And this one guy, Luke, who was a medical doctor, so he would have been educated an educated individual, he began to collect these reports about the life, the ministry, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus, and he compiled those. And he says, reports handed down by original eyewitnesses. And then he investigated. He says, I investigated all the reports in close detail. So using his medical training, that education, I mean, he's not just getting every scrap fabric. I mean, he's thinking through, okay, these reports. And he too was an eyewitness. And then, he, and then he's writing to a person, a real person. His name was Theophilus, my honorable Theophilus. And he says, this, this story that I'm, I'm, I'm going to hand off this story, this is a reliable story. You can know beyond the shadow of a doubt the reliability of what you were taught. So this belief that we have is coming out of a story of something that actually happened in the history of humanity, and it was was people that wrote it down, people just like you and me. So Luke says it this way, So many others have tried their hand at putting together a story of the wonderful harvest of Scripture and history that took place among us. Using reports handed down by the original eyewitnesses, who served this word with their very lives. Since I have investigated all the reports in close detail, starting from the story's beginning, I decided to write it all out for you, most honorable Theophilus, so you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt the reliability of what you were taught. 
We have a reliable story. I'm going to tell a reliable story today. I'm going to tell you a story that you can believe because it's based on fact, because it's based on eyewitness reports. This is the true story. And it's a story about people following Jesus. It's about people living together with Jesus. These are people that knew Jesus. We're going to be introduced to a group of women, Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them. These are women that followed Jesus during his three years and they provided for his physical needs. You may have wondered, well, how did, you know, did Jesus ever have a meal? Yeah. Well, there was women that, that kind of took care of those things as they moved along. It was women that contributed financially to the ministry of Jesus. Some of these women received ministry from them. At least one of these women was a prostitute. And this woman, for the first time in her life, found hope. See, prostitution was not just immorality. Prostitution had to do with an unfair economic system. And Jesus broke into that. And he actually saved this woman, not not just from immoral activity, but from something bigger like hopelessness. I don't have any way to take care of my family because my husband's gone and the relatives are gone. Nobody's taking care of me. This is my last resort to survive. And this woman, at least one of these women's, she, she, she experienced what it's like for Jesus to look into her eyes and say, your sins are forgiven. Go and sin no more. Follow me. And we'll discover a whole new life together. This woman's telling her story. These are women that were, they were at the cross on Friday, which we looked at. They're at the cross. I mean, they're watching this event happen. They're going through the emotions of, man, he's dying. He's dying. And then when he died, he's dead. And, and they're watching his broken body, and they know where he's being placed. They're friends of the apostles. And when they go tell the apostles, the 11 that are there, they go and tell them the story, hey, we... we the apostles don't believe a word of it. They thought they were making it all up. Now, again, how, how human is that? I mean, if we were reading some kind of fabricated religious myth, why in the world would, would like the kind of the key players come across as they didn't believe the thing they said? See, Luke tells us this story. The crack, the crack of dawn on Sunday... The women came to the tomb carrying the burial spices they had prepared because they knew that Joseph rushed Jesus' body into the tomb on Friday afternoon before 6 o'clock. That's when Sabbath began. And so his body couldn't be prepared. There wasn't enough time. So they're going back after Sabbath as early as they can to care for his body. And they found the entrance stone rolled back from the tomb. So they walked in. But once inside, they couldn't find the body of the Master Jesus. They were puzzled, wondering what to make of this. Then out of nowhere, it seemed two men, light cascading over them, stood there. The women were awestruck, bowed down in worship. The men said, why are you looking for the living one in a cemetery? He's not here, but raised up. Remember? Remember how he told you when you were still back in Galilee 
that he had to be handed over to sinners, be killed on a cross, and in three days rise up? And they remembered, yeah. I do remember him saying that. We didn't, we didn't understand what he was talking about. But now it's making sense. They left the tomb and they broke the news of all this to the eleven and the rest. Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, the other women who were with them, kept telling these things to the apostles. Women kept telling these things to men. Women kept telling these things to men. And the men, they didn't believe a word of it. They thought they were making it all up. Again, how real is that? How real is it that the women kind of nag and the guys say, enough, don't turn it off. And then somebody reminded me in our first time of teaching, and the women were right. Well, how real is that? Amen. The women are right. Well, Peter was curious. At least Peter was curious. So he jumped up. He ran to the tomb. He stooped to look in. He saw a few grave clothes, that's all. And he walked away puzzled, shaking his head. I don't know what's going on. This community of people, people with real names, like our names, people that were following Jesus, people that were living together in friendship with Jesus, people that were learning from Jesus. Jesus taught them these things are going to happen, yet they didn't remember them. Jesus came along later after His resurrection, the tomb is empty, and He starts to walk along a road to Emmaus. Emmaus is a small town outside of Jerusalem. And he's walking along two disciples, people that had followed Jesus, who were totally disheartened. You can't, this is a woodcut, you can't really see it, but Jesus is in the middle, and the two travelers are on the side, and they're just kind of, you know, walking along, really discouraged. And it's because uh, their hopes have been dashed. And Jesus said, well, what are you guys, what are you guys talking about? And their reply is a little curt. I mean, like, are you the only one that hadn't read the headlines? I mean, don't you know? Now, come on, wake up, buddy. You know, the, the guy that promised to be the Messiah, you know, the one that we, you know, we recognized as fulfilling the, the, the prophecy of David's son, I mean, the one that was going to bring the Messianic age, the one that was going to bring peace to the earth, I mean, he just died. And so Jesus from there begins just to say, well, you know, let me tell you another part of the story. And so he fills them in on the details. And after Jesus tells them that they, you know, we're going to read this, they recognize him, and then all of a sudden they say something like, didn't we feel on fire? Didn't our hearts burn? As he opened up the scripture for us. Now try to tell those two that the tomb is empty. Our hearts burned when we were with Him, when we learned from Him. And they found the eleven. It's really happened. The Master's been raised up in Luke 24. Just little, little snippets from that, that story. That same day, two of them 
were walking to the village of May. It's about seven miles out of Jerusalem. They were deep in conversation, going over all the things that had happened around the Passover feast and the crucifixion of Jesus. In the middle of their talk and questions, in the middle of their talk and questions, Jesus came up and walked along with them. Just a little sidebar. If you have questions about the life, the ministry, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus, <coughs> he'll come and walk along with you. Have you ever asked him? I mean, if you've got a list of questions, have you ever asked Jesus to answer your questions? I mean, that's what he's doing here. They, weren't, they didn't recognize him, so then he starts going. He goes through the Bible from the Old Testament. He explains the whole story. Then they sit down to have a meal. Jesus takes the bread. He breaks it, and then it's like, oh, my goodness. Who are we having meal with? This is Jesus, and then Jesus disappears. And at that moment, open-eyed, wide-eyed, they recognized him, and then he disappeared. Back and forth they talked. Didn't we feel on fire as he conversed with us on the road, as he opened up the scriptures for us, as we learned from Jesus, our hearts burned with the truth. And they didn't waste a moment. They backtracked, maybe all seven miles back. To Jerusalem. It's really happened. The master's been raised up. When they, when they told that to the, to the eleven, again, in the reality of the story, the eleven did not believe them. They didn't believe the women. They did not believe these two men. And then Jesus shows up. And they are scared to death. They think, oh, it's a ghost. They're overwhelmed by doubting questions. I mean, it's like, it, this is too much. This is too good to be true. We can't believe this. And Jesus says, okay, look at me. Look at my hands. Look at my feet. It's really me. Touch me. Touch me. These are people that touched the resurrected Jesus. They're the ones telling us this story. It's really me. Look me over, head to toe. Again, I don't know who did this painting, and you can't see the detail of it, but this is one of the apostles. He's actually sticking his finger in the wound of Jesus where Jesus was punctured by the sword. And just the look on their face. My friends, we, we have a reliable story that comes from eyewitnesses, people that actually experienced this, this day of resurrection. While the two on the road to Emmaus were saying this, Jesus appeared to them. And he said, peace be with you. And he says that because he knows they're about to be scared to death. They were scared to death. We're seeing a ghost. So he continued to, don't be upset. Don't let all these, these doubting questions take over. Look at my hands. Look at my feet. It's really me. Touch me. Look me over head to toe. A ghost doesn't have muscle and bone like this. And as he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. They still couldn't believe what they were seeing. This is astounding. 
So Jesus comes to people who are living together, following Him, who are learning together from Jesus, and, and who are delivering a message of life to the nations. Everything I told you while I was with you comes to this event. He went on to open their understanding of the Word of God, showing them how to read their Bibles in this way. Jesus went through the Old Covenant. He went through the Old Testament. He said, bam, 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 bam. Everything leads to this moment. Everything out of the old leads to me. And they're going, wow, this is just blowing my mind. And he says, you can see now, it is written that the Messiah suffers, rises from the dead on the third day, and then a total life change through the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed in His name to all nations, starting from here, from Jerusalem. Everything I told you while I was with you comes to this. All the things written about me in the Law of Moses, in the Prophets, in the Psalms, the whole of the Hebrew Bible, the whole of the Old Testament. Everything comes to this and it's fulfilled in me. He went on to open their understanding of the Word of God, showing them how to read their Bibles in this way. He said, you can now see it is written that Messiah suffers, rises from the dead on the third day. Then a total life changed through the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed in His name to all nations, starting from here, from Jerusalem. You're the first to hear, you're the first to see it. You're the witnesses. What comes next is very important. I'm sending what my Father promised to you, so stay here in the city until He arrives, until the Holy Spirit comes. Then you'll be equipped with power from on high to be my witnesses, to be the eyewitnesses, to deliver this message, to tell this story. My friends, this story that we're celebrating today comes through people. People like you and me, people that were there, people that were eyewitnesses, people that chose to live together in a community around Jesus, people that learned from Jesus, people that then delivered for Jesus the message, a life-changing message of forgiveness of sins through His shed blood. This is a reliable story. This is a reliable record. This, this record, this, this is the most reliable of any ancient book. There is no other ancient book that can touch the Bible and its reliability. If you've never searched that out, I just encourage you to do that. This is a reliable record. But you know what? It goes beyond this book. It goes beyond reading the story and parts of the story and reminding us you see, what it, what it comes down to for me is that my belief grows out of the faith that I practice with you. My belief in Jesus alive and well grows out of our faith that we practice together. See, we're, we are a community of people living together in friendship with Jesus. We are not that different from the first community that surrounded Jesus. And as people committed to living together in friendship with each other and with Jesus and with the world around us, 
I know that Jesus is alive. I have no doubt whatsoever. I'm in a community that not only lives together, but learns from Jesus. We're learning. You know, as we come together in our small groups, as we come together on a Sunday morning, as we read the Bible, as we say, you know, I'm, I'm reading this, but I know this isn't just a story to read. This is something for me to do. And as I learn to put into practice the things that Jesus is teaching me, and I learn to do that in relationship with you, and we're learning to do that, and we do that in relationship with the world around us, we are a community living together, learning together from Jesus, Jesus in the middle. Jesus is alive. I know he's alive. And the more that we learn from him, and the more that we follow him, the more it just, it just has gotten a hold of me. Man, he wants us to announce the good news of his kingdom. We have a message that is absolutely crucial for the world that we live in, our generation, like the generation before us, like this first generation, all of us. With the help of Jesus being alive, we now get to announce to the world, there is a kingdom, there's life, there's forgiveness. Everything that we really want and need in life, life in its fullest is found in Jesus who is alive. Here's the message. I know He's alive because we deliver this message together. In, in, in many, we are the message. As long as we're living together with Jesus, learning from Jesus, we become the message. So I know Jesus is alive just by standing here and looking at you. Just by us being in this room together. By us raising our voices in song together. Again, we're not just singing cool songs. We're singing to someone. And we're saying things to Him of what we believe. And together it's just like, wow, Jesus, this is you. This is you. We are so fortunate to be a people that can believe in a reliable story. But even more than that, to be a people that can live a reliable faith. Because the one who's the center of that faith is alive. It's like Jesus is sitting right next to you. Right in, you know, you don't know what to do, do you? Just, well, just lean into him. Don't, you know, there you go. <laughs> Would you please stand with me? Most of the time in our lives, if I were to, if it was just you and me right now having a conversation, and I said, hey, do you want life or do you want death? Most of the time, most of us would say, I want life. And I do know that there are those times when we would say, you know, life really, really is bad for me, and I'd really just choose death. Just, I want an end. I mean, I understand. We, have, we all have those moments. But in general, I think what we want is life. And today, this is, this is our invitation to life. By, by remembering an empty tomb, by remembering a risen king, by remembering what Jesus lived for, what Jesus died for, what Jesus stands for, what Jesus continues to teach. It's, it's a message of life. It's a message of forgiveness. 
It's a message of redemption. It's a message of salvation. It's a message of hope. It's a message of peace. It's, it's a big message. So I just want to thank him for what he is doing in our lives to allow us to live this message. And then I just want to give you an invitation that, that you would, again, just, just would you just commit to following Jesus? Follow Jesus. Learn from Jesus. Do that in a community of people that are doing that. And in that, we experience. It's like we get to touch. We get to see. We get to listen. So Jesus, I want to thank you today. I thank you that you have given us this day to celebrate that you are alive. Jesus, you are alive. And I thank you that I, I can say that in a room full of people because I'm experiencing your life as we gather together in your, in your name. Jesus, <laughs> you're the reason to live. And I thank you that you are inviting us individually and you're inviting us as a community of people to follow you. And this morning I say again, yes, Lord, Yes, I will follow you. Wherever you lead me, Lord, I will follow you. Wherever you lead us, we will follow you. We want to follow you. And Jesus, as we follow you, we want to learn from you. Teach us, Lord. Teach us your way of life. Teach us your way of death. Teach us, Lord, how to be the people that you want us to be in relationship with God in relationship with each other, and relationship with the world around us. Teach us, Lord. Then, Lord, as we live together, as we learn from you, Lord, just <laughs> clarify this message that we are. How do we announce to our generation the good news of your kingdom? Lord, we want to be a kingdom people, a people that rally around our King. Oh, Lord, for those of us that are hesitant to say yes to you, I pray that you would come and walk alongside of us and answer all of our questions. Thank you for the encouragement that these first 11 had doubts, had questions, couldn't believe it, too good to be true. Thank you that that doesn't turn you off. Thank you that you invite us to ask you all sorts of questions. And finally, Lord, I just ask that your life, the power of your life, the power of a resurrected life, the power of eternal life, I ask that you would fill us with life. Fill this community with your life. And as we live, Lord, let us deliver the message of life to the cities around us, to the nations around us, in your name.